Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 253 for September 16th, 2020. My name is Phil, with me as always is Tim and Bill, and uh, of course Reclaimed Audio is brought to you by Klingspore's Woodworking Shop. And this week on promo is the 50-tooth combo blade, the 10-inch table saw blade that is, by all accounts, incredible. And you get a 10% off coupon by using either Broccoli, Utilize, or Disagree as your coupon code at checkout. So, vote for your favorite host by using one of those three. Um, I guess Tim is Broccoli, Bill is Utilize. If they don't, don't know by now, if they don't I, know, they don't. We they don't, don't think where we introduce each other. Well, here's here's something they may not know that I unfortunately found out. I got a little nasty gram from somebody over at Clean Spores Woodworking Shop. Apparently, you can't use all three and expect thirty percent. I don't know why, but apparently, you can't do that. Did you tell someone they could? Yeah. No, I tried to buy three of them at that discounted with three. Oh, you tried to. <laughs> Yeah, and, <laughs> and apparently, and, uh, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't know who, I don't know who that one person is in the billing department. But you need an right. attitude de- adjustment. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. A Bill went to go pick no, up the sir, blade in his Toyota Tacoma. Yeah, <laughs> no, sir. That's not appropriate. Would have been fine, but uh, colorful language isn't always necessary to try and teach me a lesson. I was being honestly frugal-ish at Cling Spores Woodworking Shop. But go ahead. Where did you go? Carry on. Where, where did you go, and what was the discount you were trying to get? Well, I was trying to get 10% off on the saw blade times three by using all three discount codes, utilize broccoli and disagree, from mm-hmm. Clean Spores Woodworking Shop. But, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess I, I thought, well, they're going to say, no, you can't do that. You have to buy three. So I tried to buy three using all three coupon codes, broccoli, utilize, and disagree, for the 10% mm-hmm. times three, which would be 30% off of three different blades, which technically almost would have been a free. That's what we should do. We should tell them to do buy three, get one free. Mm-hmm. Nope. That's I, think, a- I think we're good. I think we've yeah. serviced the sponsor well at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- thank you, Klingspore. This is probably their final week sponsoring us. <laughs> yeah. It was Kling- a Kling good while it lasted. Yeah. While it lasted. This week's uh, top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, Keith Decent, and of course, Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. What are we working on? Builds. What am I looking at? What uh, yeah, what is that? What am I? A series am of I squares at? behind you on your work. So, so this is um, this is the table base um, welded together. And painted a ivory silk satin. Ooh, color. Yes. sexy! Yes, it is to um, it Ooh is la to la. enhance. 
yeah. is to enhance the sexiness that already existed. And I really like the color how it came out. So yeah, I basically sliced and diced some metal, welded it together, and took a picture. And apparently everybody thinks it's cool. So now my, my uh, next step is, is the top. And I'm going to try and incorporate my eco palette because mm. I have the thing that says eco palette. So um, I think those are going to be the foots. The two okay, things that say eco palettes are going to be the foots, and then the rest of the palette. Um, so, you, I wanted to I want to describe to the listeners what I'm looking at over your shoulder, but it's it's basically do. four four squares. They're what probably about five inches in diameter. Four uh, four four inch squares diameter across, not diameter. Yeah, f- so it's four four inch squares that are put together almost like a la Brady Bunch, we'll say. And then there's two smaller like rectangles <laughs> underneath them that are probably like one by two. Uh, or one and a half by two inch rectangles um, that are above them. So there's like six squares, four big ones, you know, two little ones. But so, am I looking at it? And that's one on each side, and then there's a crossbar yeah. connecting it. So these these become is it the right sides. side up. Is it upside down or right side or up? Is right it upside down? down? No, this is the way it's going to go. The top goes on here. The okay. foot's go under here. But if you look at the end. You'll see there's more squares even. Oh, yeah, so little squares in between connecting the larger oh, squares. Yeah. And then the, the, the cross is members cubism. are. Cubism. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally cubism. It's very interesting to look at. It's a lot of fun to look at. And I like I love the fact that you mm-hmm. painted a white instead of black. Um, I know uh, that... Uh, I know Ivory you, silk, uh, I'm, Tim. Ivory silk. Uh, mea culpa. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'd love to see a glass top on it just like it is so you could really see mm-hmm. it. You know, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, this would be like an example for me of like '80s Art Deco, with like a whitewash no, and a glass top. Well, if it was if it was like gold, you know, no, I have access to some big. What about a frosted glass top? That, I'd be okay. Yeah, that, that would work for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have I Very have Miami. access to a big piece of frosted safety glass. Can you cut uh, that? That's, I was wondered about that. I don't know how because it. it's two laminated pieces. I think I think it can be cut, but you and I can't do it. I think it has to right. go. I was told to by a glass guy that once it's tempered, you can't cut it. But I might be misremembering. Uh, um, no, no, I don't know. Maybe a water, I, but I know that. Oh well. Yeah, because you're talking about it's laminated glass, right? So yeah, it's almost impossible to cut. Yeah, shadows. In also, it's been pieces. treated so that any Im- any impact sort of like. Shatters, shatters it, it right? But it holds it in place. It's laminated with a film in between the layers to keep it from falling apart. Right. That's the safety part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. But but it's it it. Wow, that's you know I hadn't thought of that, and um, and you could still use your eco palette feet, I guess. But I think yeah. that maybe the eco palette's not going to get used on that project. Well, maybe I could use, maybe I could make a frame around the glass with the pallet wood yeah. to match the foot. Yeah. Yep. You could um, you could also bleach the wood to make it white, so it would match the rest of this. No, I kind of want to keep the marking. To, it's it's supposed to match my uh, my furniture. So the furniture we have now has um, uh, light walnuty colored base. So I'm going to try and make the uh, wood kind of match the wood that we have. I get you. I get yeah. you. Yeah, you're okay. you filming this. I mean, I think it's super cool though. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. If, if I have, if that piece of glass is not too big, because hmm. it's they're pretty big, they're panels, they're big glass panels. And yeah, I, I and it would be expensive to to get a piece. Like you might not want to just spend the money. Like because I, no, the, no. If I have access to it, I abs- I mean, yeah. I have 
plenty put aside. Right, but I mean to get the right size. You know, if, if you didn't have yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you can't cut it. It might work. That might be an idea. That might be yeah. an idea. Yeah, you're welcome. Hmm. Let me ask you another question. Like Your uh, bandsaw that cuts metal, the one that's uh, not the Porta band, but you've got one of the, the I think Harbor, you've got one of the Harbor Freight ones. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Does that have a like a cutting stop where you can set a a precise sort of? It doesn't, but I could have made a stop pretty easy. The problem with that saw is it takes forever, and I'm very impatient, and I had to cut uh, a lot of these little squares. And they don't, but they I don't know cut my super straight band, either. <laughs> yeah, and, and my porta band, while it doesn't cut super straight either, I'm in control of it, and yeah. it's way faster. Mm. I mean. Now, luckily, my porta band literally barely fit over <laughs> that oh, four-inch square tube, mm. so that that was fun. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited. It came out really cool, and again, it's a it's a you know it's it's not an exact. I think anytime you make something, if you were going to make more of them or or mass produce them, you would take steps to how you know we've talked about this before. How mm. do you how do you? Uh, yeah, you'd set up an assembly yeah, line or something. Yeah, you're set up. Or how, how do you assemble? How do, how do you make this a repetitive mm-hmm. thing to make it more accurate? But that was kind of weird. You'll see in the video. I'm just like holding over, looking straight over the top of it, trying to guide it down straight. And I couldn't go all the way, so it basically cut the big square tube all the way down to the bottom. Then I had to, so I cut like a bunch of them, and then mm, I flipped yeah. it over, and then I had to line it up and cut the yeah. tops uh, like, of each like slice bread. off. <laughs> it, literally, it was like slicing bread. That was the first thing I thought when I saw how you would cut those those slices of a four inch square. I was like, oh my god, what a pain in the neck! <laughs> yeah, because the throat the throat on the Milwaukee saw is four by four, mm. so mm. You, literally it goes right over the top of it. It just doesn't have enough room to cut that last you know eighth of an inch thick metal steel whatever it is. So I just I made all the slices on the top, then I flipped it over, and then go choop choop choop, and they all just fell off. And it, it's not bad. And and so when I welded it, here's another thing too: is when I welded it, I laid them all face down on my my piece of me- or my little welding. I have a piece of metal for the welding, so they're all flat on the outside face. Now on the back oh. side of it, it's it's uneven. But so what? That's and I didn't even put any welds on the outside either. So on the outside, it looks like it's just the tubes are. They're glued together. You can't even see any welds. Right? Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of But yeah, what is the, the best way like, to cut a, uh, a like straight and consistent cuts of steel without having industrial equipment? Like the home shop guy. Like, could you would you just very carefully do it with an angle grinder, or is the porta band the best way to do it? Um, the if if I was going to do just one and I wanted it to be perfect, I would use an angle grinder and a square, a speed square. As a guy, okay. and, I, and then if you I, if you want to make a few of them, you know what? If you were going to do a bunch of these, let's say, what I did, I just used a porta band. And now, now if I was going, let's say somebody wanted to say, "Hey, I like that, Bill. Can you make me ten of them?" I would go mm-hmm. to a metal shop and have. Them. Oh yeah, yeah, because they have those giant bandsaws. That's what I was thinking too. Was like, yeah. if I had to do any more than yeah, what yeah. you did for that one, even if it's just two tables, I would have paid the dollar yeah. a cut or whatever they charge at the at the metal yeah, shop. You go to just, the metal shop. Yeah. And they'll cut you how many ever, you know, inch, and they have a much bigger variety of square tubing. This is yeah. just garbage that I had lying around over the years, right? So yeah. I went and dug through, found three different size square tubes. One's rectangular, one's big square, one's small square. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just did it with a port of it. But, yeah, easily go to the metal shop and have it cut. And then I can still weld it and I can still... I can, in fact, you could even bring them the metal. If I wanted to use my reclaimed metal, I could bring it to the shop and have them cut it. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, interesting. They have the big the big band saws with the that shoot fluid and stuff to keep them cool, and the, and it takes seconds to make it one of those cuts. Our, yeah, our our buddy Mitchell Dillman. I remember he started off when I first started watching his videos. He had a little Harbor Freight thing that you and I have, Tim. Yeah. And then as time went on, he finally invested in because he does lots of welding. He makes you know, a lot of furniture out of his. Uh, logs and, and the metal but anyway he bought one of them real nice or might have even been a sponsor but it's the real nice giant flip it up hydraulic actuated mm. coolant running the whole the whole top swivels like a like a uh, miter saw so you can cut angles oh, nice. and stuff yeah instead of the instead of the the clamp adjusting for your angle the whole saw yeah, moves and the clamp one. is it's it's so uh, sweet man the uh the st- many shops i've worked in had those big ones too the, the steel yard where I go and I buy my steel, they have like the cutoff section. And there's been times that I've had them cut stuff for me, you know, if it's too long or whatever. And um, yeah, they have it's it's like a, a 40 foot long table, a, a roller table. So it's 20 on either side because the pieces usually come in like 20 foot sections. And then it's a, right, right. it's a vertical bandsaw, like, you know, like your woodworking bandsaw, but it's behind it and you and you grab and pull. Like, you know, it, like, pulls forward straight through it and, it's, you know, spits all the coolant on it and stuff. And uh, I forget how that cuts angle. I think that the whole saw, yeah, the whole saw turns in the table. And it's, like, it's almost like your miter saw, you know, where you, would, like, turn the whole base yeah. in the center. It's yeah. freaking awesome. I mean, it's probably a $100,000 machine, you know. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, if I had 40 <laughs> feet to spare, you know. <laughs> yeah. Three well, you actually do, but we don't, we'll talk about yeah, that other times. So. Honestly. Tim, what have you been working on? Um, digging out, I've been doing a lot of, uh, I, I kind of, like, I wasn't in the shop much this week because, um, you know, I've been putting together my DIY base kits and, uh, editing the video for that. So there's two videos to edit. There's the one that will go out on YouTube next Sunday, and then there's also the, the one that comes with it. Because when you purchase the kits, you get access, you know, behind the paywall to, uh, very nerdy detail. The kind of video you can never put on YouTube because nobody would ever watch it. Uh, it's over an hour and a half long, you know. Um, but it goes into every step and I talk about like well here's the proper tool that you know the luthier has and here's how you can do it without buying that tool and a you know really in-depth um, tutorial of using this kit and you know dropping a little bit of knowledge here and there the kind of stuff that people like watch YouTube videos for but you've got to watch like a million videos to get like one little piece of these types of things it's just this big you know uh, hopefully and in- still interesting to watch but then I, I then I have to set it up you know it's uploader and I have to set it up with um, Timestamps and links so you can link in like well here's a section on frets and here's a section on cutting this and here's the you know and the building the website and and getting the it's just been like all that kind of stuff all week so but it's all ready to go um, ready to launch that I've got a couple mini bases I don't know if you remember I made about a year and a half ago I made these little tiny bass guitars that had like a big handle across the top uh, I did a video of them one was for a customer. And, uh, and then I sold the other one and, and someone contacted me. They bought a guitar from me and they're like, hey, do you have any more of those mini basses or did you sell it? And I was like, I, was like, I can always make another. That's like what I do, you know? And he's like, yeah. He's like, make me one. I'm like, really? You just bought a guitar. That's you it. want another one? I'm like, yeah. And so I'm making one for him. I'm making two so I can put one back in the store. That's kind of what I try to do. Like if I get a, you know, like a, a an order, you know, for something that's not like super custom, like, you know, something like that where it's like I already have the plans and, you know, I try to make another sure. while I'm at it. How many would you say, like, on-hand guitars that you have at any given time? Like, that you can say, hey, I've still got these, and, you know, just... I try to... The old bait-and-switch, yeah. Yeah, I I try to have, uh, like, right now I have about 14 or 15 of them for sale. 
Uh, I don't even know Whoa. if they're all listed on the website, but I try to have um, inventory, you know, uh, and I try to have inventory in varying prices. Like some of the some of them are like the guitar made of nails. Like no one's ever gonna buy that. I think I put it up for like two thousand dollars. Like you know whatever. Someone if someone wants it, they're not sold. Gonna, right. Well, if someone buys that guitar, they're not buying it because they're like looking for a deal on a guitar made of nails. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, correct. Um, it's, it's an art. It's an art piece. You know? Do you try discounting it? No, I have not. Just offer free shipping. It's going to sell like that. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think if I think it would probably sell better if I put it if I took it off the guitar site, and put it in an art site, and listed it for six thousand dollars. I think it would sell faster. You know what I mean? Agreed. Yeah. I I think so. Yeah, but it's like I'm not that concerned with it. Like I have it to put on the truck. But so you know, right now I want to make sure the truck is always stocked. You know, as hopefully I'll be able to do some shows with it soon, and so I want to keep. You know, I want to have at least a dozen guitars on hand at all times. You know, that's kind of the goal. Do you have a how much you have a varying inventory does that represent on hand? Um, sorry, two questions. I'll answer Bill's first. So I didn't hear Phil's. Um, yeah, I try to have. I have like some of them. I use my kits. You know, like the necks that I purchase for the kits. Um, and so, like, I have. I made a batch of guitars a little while back. A single pickup that I was. You know, I, I think they're priced at five hundred and fifty dollars. And it's like about the cheapest you can make a guitar, even you know using the the least expensive stuff. But, you know, I want to have something in that price range. Most of them tend to be around $1,000 um, is kind of the, you know, give or take. Uh, generally speaking, the ones that are for sale on the website, um, they're usually like an experiment of some sort or they're or they're made off the back of, a, of another build. Like they're made in the shadow of it so I can kind of keep them. Or like I don't put the effort into the finish that I might have on the client build. So they all tend to be like the scratch and dents. Like, you know, I don't want to make guitars that have a $2,000 price tag on them and then sit on them. Like, I only make those guitars for people that are ordering them. You know what I mean? Right. So I, right. I make them to experiment, to try new processes and stuff, and just stock the store. Uh, they're all, you know, obviously good guitars, but really what, I, what I'm into and what I think most of my customers are about, it's like, I love that. Can you do it like this for me? That's kind of the... Right. That's the that's the, the right. fun of it. But right? make it blue. Right. Yeah. Don't buy... If, if they want to buy a guitar off the shelf, they're probably going to go to the store. You know? So... But, but you know that'll be interesting, interesting to see with the with the truck what will happen with that because I do go to shows or I did when the world was you know open, and um, and I'd sell I'd sell I mean I go to a show with a, you know ten or twelve guitars, and usually sell one maybe two but it was all about meeting people and making contacts and getting out there but now with the truck and having a better display and but the fact that even like my less expensive my guitars are getting better like every guitar I make is better than the last you know even the less expensive ones are getting better, so you know we'll see. I might start selling more of them I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, how about you, Phil? Um, so I uh I made this wine rack thing. Yeah, I saw it. And uh Yeah. So it uh I was really doubting myself about it. Um uh, but it actually turned out really well, especially thanks to a tip by my friend Bill Lutz. <laughs> and uh <laughs> And it didn't even occur to me that I could use filler after I painted it. So I used spackle to sort of really... And I wasn't, like, making structural repairs, but you know no, when you drill I, a I hole... I what you were talking about, right. Yeah. So when you drill a hole into pine with a Forstner bit, one part of it is a climb cut and one is a regular cut. So one side of it gets kind of chewed out a little yeah. bit with some fuzzies, and the other side's real smooth, unless you've got good Forstner bits, which I don't. So... Um, you can sand that smooth, but there's still going to be a bunch of voids it's in lower. there. It's lower, yeah. So, 
Right. So initially I put in wood filler in there, dried, sanded it, and then on top of that I put shellac. And no matter what, and then I painted it thinking that it was fine, but then there were still like little holes that you could see through there. So well, I said, you the, know what? The paint will actually, yeah, it, sometimes it'll highlight that. It'll oh, be, yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I painted it white, and then those right. spots are like black because they're shadows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it made it worse, is what I'm trying to say. So, but I used spackle, which is also white, mm. and I just like the tiniest little skim coat, not enough to build on the surface, but enough to fill those holes. And I put it on with my finger and mm. really pushed it in and smoothed it out, and then waited for that to dry, which wasn't very long, right? It's the pink stuff that turns white. Sanded it with 220, blew it off with uh, with my air hose. And then painted it, and then it came out really, really well. So I did two coats of latex paint with the HVLP, and then two coats of uh, polycrylic, because the uh, the latex paint was like a mat. It was like an eggshell or something. Mm-hmm. So because I'm just with latex, I just use whatever I have, like all the remnants. Like who cares? Like white if it's right. eggshell, semi or whatever. I could just always put a clear coat on top of it, and it's great. Mm. So I guess I'm uh, eco-friendly in that regard. I'm just using up old paint. Yeah, man. and uh, and so then the the clear coat on top of that it came out honestly like beautifully and on top of all of that it was going in the bottom shelf of a pantry where mm. you could barely see it to begin with. Well, so. you well, that's you, so, why uh, when you posted that, yeah. See, when you posted that was my first thought is I knew I knew where it was going because we had talked about yeah. it before, and it's not a structural piece like you're saying. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't. It's it's not going to be a display piece, and it's not gigantic. It's not. It's just spackle that puppy. Just fill it up. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Right over the paint. What do you do when you have a hole in your wall? You don't strip it bare of, of paint. You spackle or you fill right. right over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and just. I it's mean, not obvious the, until the, it's obvious, right? Yeah. Now you know. It's not. And if, yeah. you, if, if you do it, if you do it, dude, I, I, I it came out great. So yeah. I, I think it looks Absolutely. really cool. And well you, done. I mean, you were, you were over overbuilding this or over finishing this because you were trying to like kind of prove something to your father-in-law if I remember correctly right because I, hey, I hey, mean sl- slow down here <laughs> <laughs> right yeah but so that's I mean it probably would have been fine without doing that for where it was going in the bottom of a closet you know what I mean but you were trying to go for above sure and so so you you learned something yeah. and you probably well, how, what was his reaction I guess is my question huh that's great thanks has he seen it yet <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought it to him last night. That was it? Just yeah, that's great. Thanks. So, do you, do you understand what that what that means from that man? Oh, is that is that huge? So he is not a giver of compliments that are not due. So yeah. that was, you know, a magnus opus of compliments. Magnum <laughs> opus of compliments. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. So I'm really uh, I'm really excited about that and. I'm going to be doing uh, my Klingspore video this week uh, and building a, a cover for a light fixture. So cool. that's, what, that's what this week is. Actually, I, um, I ordered from, if any of my Canadian listeners uh, know about uh, Busy Bee, I ordered from Busy Bee a new bandsaw blade, and I ordered from them a, um, one of those uh, knife-setting jigs for a jointer because I made a pair of knives, like a knife-setting jig for my jointer, and it just didn't... It's not right. Like, obviously, the way I inset the magnets into the thing just aren't straight or whatever. So I'm not getting a perfect cut out of it. So I said, bit the bullet. You know what? It's 30 bucks for one of these things. I got it. Um, I should have it tomorrow. And so I'm going to set up my jointer and uh, 
and be able to do things properly there. So I'm excited about that as well. Cool. Can I, can I borrow when you're done? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. Come down. Get your get uh, your uh, welder. For sure. Oh, actually, sure, you know what? Yeah. I got I got to think how I was going to use that for. <laughs> Another. You thing know, I really I'm really sure. glad that that Jackman's uh, generosity towards me has profited you so greatly. Yeah, it's benefited <laughs> me well. Yeah. He's a good man, that Jackman. Well. <laughs> anyway, so that was that me making that Magnus Opum, uh, Magnum Opus remark was a uh, was a segue into our topic this week. And for anyone who doesn't know, a Magnum Opus is a uh, composer's greatest work, essentially. So the best thing that they've ever made, put simply. And um, to explain and I was, that further, so like Magnum is huge great right and opus is the work yes so mono means one and rail means rail we should get a monorail no that's apropos. <laughs> not yeah, yeah. sure why that's apropos to this particular you have to sing film. it it's a you simpsons gotta sing it reference <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no exactly no it's a it's a simpsons reference he's like oh, <laughs> i was thinking goes, you goes, the so magnet, mono means the one yeah. yeah no you're the the thing um, so it's funny, but yes, absolutely right. So it's Latin, magnum means work, uh, greatest, and opus means work. So, um, and I think the topic of this, and the reason that we're talking about this, is that we sort of have this expectation that the next thing we make is always going to be the greatest thing we've ever made. There's always that potential hmm. for that. And my my position for this is I always, I'm full of that optimism. I always believe the next thing I make is going to be better than the last thing I made. But my biggest challenge is that everything I make is always the first time I make it. So every single thing I make is a prototype, and it's almost super unfair to put that um, to put that pressure on myself. Like I'm gonna make something great, but it's the first time I make it, and I like sometimes it's like the first time I'm even using the tool in that application. Everything. But what I was saying was that we put so much our pressure on ourselves for everything that we make to be the best thing that we've ever made, even though, and I, I don't want to speak for both of you guys, but for me, generally speaking, the next thing I make, I'm making it for the first time ever because I don't have that decades long of experience where I've made, oh, I already made that. Oh, yeah, I know how to make it. Uh, this is the first wine rack I've ever made. And the next thing I'm going to make is going to be a cover for a light. This is the first time I've ever made a cover for a. You know, this is the first time I ever made a door handle. It's the first time I ever made a whatever. Like, the whiskey boxes, yeah, I made several dozen of these things, so I got pretty good at them at the end. But every next thing that I make is always the first time that I make it. And I'm always like, it's going to be the best. And then I always walk away going, yeah, I could have made that better. And I guess that's a good thing and a bad thing, but I always end up being frustrated. I think <clears throat> Tim's talked about that. Doesn't don't you want to die and say that or some kind of silliness? Yeah, yeah. That's always my saying is that I wanted to die walking off stage, going, eh, "I could have done that better." <laughs> but but like you were saying, Phil, you said that you know it's like everything I make is like a prototype for the first time. And um, well, yeah. And it, it kind of is, you know, your greatest achievement. That the fact that you made something you've never made before in in and of itself is a great achievement, right? It's the greatest achievement of that thing until you make another one. Yeah, and, and I guess for me on a personal level, you're right. Okay, so I made something, you know, I, I, I breathed life into something.
But if someone picked that up on a store shelf and looked at it, they go, "That's okay." The, well, and I mean, that, so, that was... so very personally, it's great, right. but objectively, it could land up just being okay. And I was going to mention that. So this is one of the you know things that your greatest accomplishment is it defined by you or somebody else? That. Well, I think there's an objective quality and fit and finish to a to a good, you know, where you would pick it up, like any a reasonable person would pick it up and go, oh, that's really good, or they look at it and go, oh, that's okay. Well, doesn't that depend upon who it is though? Because like we've decided, you you Tim and I could look at our you know each other's projects and critique it pretty objectively, like oh, you know, I might have done that. I like the way you did that. Oh, this is pretty cool. Now you know, next time try this. But a lot of times. Somebody off the street is going to pick that up before you spackle over your paint, and they're going to think it's amazing because they can't do that or they don't know how to do that. So what they're looking at is amazing. So Maybe. to them, this is like, this is the greatest one of these I have ever seen. This is awesome. I've never seen one of these before. You are an eternal optimist, and I love you. <laughs> but it, but it, doesn't, it comes back to your, your, you know, our, our being our own worst critic, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're you're not going to impress Norm Abrams anytime soon. Like that's you know correct. Like, but you you need to understand that. Like, but you know, you're He's you're such so, a ballbuster that guy. I know that guy. What a jerk. <laughs> I, I was just actually talking to a uh, a potential client today that mentioned him. Uh, we're, we're designing an instrument, and um, he said how was back in the '80s, his mom wanted to buy his dad a table saw but didn't know what kind of table saw to get so she actually called the public TV station in Massachusetts and asked to talk to Norm Abrams got him <laughs> and asked the guy I need to buy my husband a table saw what kind of and the guy spent like 10 minutes on the phone with her telling her like oh just get the craftsman this one you know what and like they still have I knew he was going to say craftsman it's like the best table saw like you know it was like the best one at the time they still have it <laughs> sure what a great the story. 113 that's why Norm yeah. Abrams popped in my head but um wow yeah that is a good story <laughs> because the guy actually answered the phone it's just hilarious um but there, there's a lot of times though that somebody with a lot of experience like norm would still be very impressed by something you made if it was something that he had not made before he might be able to say well i can do a little better on the joinery but i never would have thought of this thing right so to him mm -hmm. so so what is the greatest thing that you made and why is it the greatest thing and who thinks it's the greatest i mean all of these factors come in there or I, yeah. if I'm yeah. happy with it, and, and bottom line is, if I think it's the greatest thing I've ever made, it is the greatest thing I've ever made, regardless <laughs> of what anybody else thinks. It, well, it's, e it's easy to say that, and it's tough to always feel that, though, like in the real world. Right. You have I to mean, feel I would, it, not just say it. Right. I would say the same thing, but it doesn't, when someone goes, yeah, it's all right, then you're like, <gasps> you know, you still get hurt. You know? Exactly. But, um, but how dare example. you? Here's an example, Go. something both of you can relate to. You make a little something simple off the just because you you said you would, and it took you very little time, and it was just thrown together, and then you give it to your kid, and they are glowing. Tell me mm. that doesn't feel like one of the greatest things you've ever made. Oh, absolutely. Even though no. it's a simple widget that you yeah. put two nails in and painted it pink with the extra. Or even just like and you know, Phil, you have the little kids like they, they come in they're like I broke a toy. You know, like the wheel fell off a truck, and so you pick it up, you put the wheel back on, and you're like Superman to them when you do that. Yeah. Like, yo, yo, here you go, you fixed it. Like, oh my, you fixed it? They think it was broken forever because yeah. you know, yeah, it's that's a great. A I will really cry sure. when this point in my life is over. This point where I can fix all of their problems with a right. dab of glue. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because all the problems from here on out become things I can't fix. Yep. Those are their things that they have to fix. Yeah. 
Yeah, and there's I'm that. Right now. Yeah, I know I'm about to too because it happens every day. You know, it's like, uh. um, I I know I I know I told this story before, um, uh, on the podcast. I'm sure I did, but like the, one of the very first like craft shows I ever did, I I started my Etsy store and stuff, and then I I had enough inventory. I went and I did a craft show, and um, I brought like all my pallet wood coffee tables and and stuff that I had made and. And um, there was a guy there that was a wood turner, and he was just turned all these beautiful bowls, you know, just just beautiful pieces of wood turned into bowls, you know, like. You know, but I had never seen anything like that. Like, I mean, not really paid attention to it. And so, you know, his booth is down the way, and I'm looking at all these beautiful bowls, and and they're so smooth, and they're beautiful, and and uh, you know, he's he's charging like twenty bucks each for them. I'm like, I'm like, you're not making. How could that? You know. But now I know that he probably could knock those things out in ten minutes, like. But, you know, to me, like, I'd mess around the lathe, and it would take me four hours to make one of those bowls, you know, and it wouldn't have looked anywhere sure. near as good. And um, so then he, sure enough, later on, he walks over, and he's looking at my stuff, and I'm, like, feeling like garbage. You know, like, I'm just like, this guy is, like, he's just looking at me like I'm a chump, like I'm an idiot, like, you know, I don't, I don't deserve to be here. I'm like, all that stuff, I'm, like, red in the face, I can feel it. I just feel horrible as he's looking at my stuff, and he's, like, touching the coffee table. It's got the saw marks in it still, you know, from the, you know, pallet, rough saw and pallet wood, and, and uh and um you know i'm like yeah i'm like you know i'm like it's it's a look you know i'm, I'm learning you know and he goes he goes no this is like he's like this is great i wouldn't have known when to stop sanding you know like because he didn't <laughs> exactly and it was and it was the same the same kind of i had a similar incidence in my career as a musician you know where i remember hmm. I, when i dropped out of music college and i was listening to i was listening to this one particular mingus recording and i was just like oh my god i got nothing to say this guy has everything to say like what am i gonna how could i could possibly contribute to music when things like this were written you know years before i was even born i just like all that self-doubt and this i'm done and and then it was like years later i was at a uh i was at a bar and there's this guy this local musician guy I used to play and i was starting to play a little bit again but not like i would never go on stage yet you know i still wasn't ready to go on stage and because I had just had a breakdown with music. And there's a fire drill, strangely. So we're all standing outside waiting for them to say we can go back in. And I'm talking to this guy, and he's like, he's like, you know, nice to meet you. I see you here all the time. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're incredible. I really love hearing your stuff. And he's like, oh, cool. He's like, do you play? I'm like, yeah. He's like, but I'm, I'm nothing like you. Like, I'm nowhere near as good as you. And he laughs. He goes, it's not a competition. And it was like, oh. And then it was like he gave me permission to go out and suck. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, do you ever play? I see the open mics all the time. Why don't you play? You know? And I was like, oh my god, I can. I don't have to be him. I don't have to be Charles Mingus. I don't have to be the wood turner right. guy. I can go out and do what that's, I do, and and just continue from there. You know? That's beautiful, sure. dude. I I love that. He gave you permission to suck, and yeah, I, right, yeah, I need that permission every day. I mean, anytime I'm making something, you have to give yourself that permission too. Exactly. Right? It's like, yeah, it's okay if you make mistakes. I mean, it, it, again, depending upon the circumstance and everything, if you're under deadline and you've got a commission and you, you, you very specifically have plans that this person has seen and agreed to, that's one thing. There's added pressure. But most mm. often we're making something. And again, like you were saying, Phil, where it's going to be a prototype for the first time, mm-hmm. you're pulling it out of your head. You're coming up with this idea and this design process. And you need to give yourself permission to suck because the person doesn't know that you feel like you sucked when you made that they don't mm. know that sure right mm. so try it because 99 percent of the time what sucks is when you quit i mean or, or mm-hmm. when you just don't just like you know what i can't do that that's what sucks yeah you yeah. building something that this person couldn't build themselves that doesn't suck there's a saying like that like no one ever regrets trying they only regret not trying or something like that one of those like oh for, no that's 100 percent true yeah. in in anything that has to do with life 
you will always look back and regret not having done something versus having done something. Like, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that when I was a teenager. But like, most of the time you'll look back and go, mm, why didn't I just try it? I should have. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Because that was like the consequence free time of your life anyways. That's how I feel about crystal meth. Yeah, I mean, so what? I mean, you messed up. You messed up your twenties and thirties. Big deal. Forties is the new something. I don't remember. I was on crystal meth too. Oh, memories. Uh, mem- Actually, oh, it brings up a funny story because I was playing. I was playing street hockey with the kids this uh, this weekend, and uh, there's a kid who lives down the street, and where all the families are sort of friendly, especially COVID right now. It's our it's our bubble. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this boy likes to play street hockey, but he's not very good. But he's starting to take a keen interest in it. And and Jake, who's my son, is better than him, but he also has friends that are much better than him. So there's a continuum of uh, of talent in this. And let's just say this boy down the street is pretty low on that totem pole. But his wife, his, his mom says to him, she says, why don't I just sign you up for hockey? Why don't you try? And he goes, well, because I'm not very good. And I looked at him and I said, buddy, everybody's not very good when they start. That's where you start. Nobody mm. starts at good. It's impossible to start at good. You have to start at bad. Mm. Yeah, I know. It's kind of, tough to, yeah, it's tough to teach that to like, kids. Huh. It's tough for kids right, to understand. Because they... they expect that they should be good right away. Right. And yeah. I feel like as grown-ups, we also feel that, right? Because oh, you yeah. look at something, you watch a video... You instinctively have this thing, oh, I understand how A goes to B and makes a C, but there's so much muscle memory and there's so mm. much finesse and there's so many of these tiny little tips like put in the wood filler after the paint or, you know, seal the wood first or put on wood conditioner on pine before you stain it. There's a million of these little things that only come from yeah. experience that, Can't that know we're until so you harsh mess it on up. ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. These are mistakes that are only learned the hard way or these are lessons only learned the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing to remember too. Say another thing to remember is that we don't always have to have all of that experience. We don't have to have all the the greatest equipment. And this is kind of a, a weird analogy, but today, um, my buddy Taz at work, he was working on last week. The city electrician came by. I didn't know anything about this because the Wi-Fi, the box that's got a built-in cooler to it for this outside Wi-Fi server thing, the cooler shorted out and the electrician came out and the IT guys came out and they can't find the circuit that powers this thing right it's outside and there's a couple different mechanical rooms and everything and nothing is labeled so they were going to come back later this week apparently and get the tracer and do all this amazing stuff so I told Ted I said I didn't know there was a cooler because he kept calling it an air conditioner on the side of the Wi-Fi I'm like what I'm not sure what you're talking about. So he went, so I said, oh, yeah, it's a little cooler. I get it. Okay, it cools the cabinet that the servers mm-hmm. are inside. It's outside. And you can't find the, the circuit. He's all, no. I says, well, let's, you know, let's 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 look at this. So I backed up, and I look. I said, okay, well, here's some supply lines coming off the roof in the conduit. Some of them, a couple of them are going into the ground. So we don't see nothing by this thing. So I started kicking dirt away from it, and I saw one where the conduit started bending towards the box, the thing, right? A Nemo or a yeah. Nima or whatever, Nima, but whatever. Nima. So I'm like, yeah. you know what? That's probably it. I says, why don't we go up on the roof and follow this conduit? So we got up on the roof and we followed it, and sure enough, it shot across the roof and went into the electrical room. I says, okay, it goes in the right above the door right there. See where it's, it goes through the wall? So then we went inside the room. I said, okay, it goes into this panel. So it opens up panel. Well, how do we know? I says, don't just open the panel. We're going to take the whole cover off the panel, and we'll just follow the wires and see which breaker it goes to. 
Hmm. And sure enough, we tried that. I said, all right. He's all, now we're not 100% sure, but I don't need the Wi-Fi right now. So let's just go turn it off and on real quick and see if the lights go out. And we did. It was the right one. Of course, they lost internet for about 10 minutes. But hey, you know, things happen. But I mean, it's just going back to old school, little investigator. It's like we accomplished something pretty great um, mm-hmm. by just going back to some rudimentary skills. It didn't, it didn't take... You didn't. You didn't need a, a, a perfect sprayer and all these amazing machines and a lot of experience to build your wine rack, right? You just relied on some basic knowledge that you had, and you put these yep. rudimentary skills together, and it came out pretty darned awesome. Mm. And you and you had one one hole, but, yeah. Yeah. but you had you had one hole in your knowledge, and then now it's filled, and you have that forever. You know, Bill. Bill yes. had that. Uh, the filler. Bill, yeah, Bill filled the yeah, hole. Filler. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way, the I think the point of your story, Bill, was uh, that the Wi-Fi being knocked out for ten minutes really sucked for the guy who was sitting on the crapper. Might have. It, it, it might have. Uh, I think that, that one guy. Out, when you flip the I switch, it, it turned it off at my house. <laughs> it, it, I knew for a fact this didn't this didn't affect the the control towers Wi-Fi because they need that radar airplanes landing whatever. But I knew there was a chance whatever. it probably knocked out the Wi-Fi to the admin building. And I'm like, ah, that's I mean, yeah, that's what you do when it's kind of crappy anyway. You reboot it, right? You turn it off and on. So yeah, I have a feeling the air tower has uh, uh, internet you can't turn off. Right, probably a few. I wouldn't. This thing, this building is about sixty-eight years old that they're up in. So I don't. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't no, say that you can't turn backup. it off. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, probably. That's just a guess. Uh, you would know better than I. So do. they do have. Here's here's another little side note. So they do have up in the control tower when you're up there. They're hanging mm-hmm. from the uh, ceiling. It's like a big old spotlight, a handheld spotlight that's on like a, a pull down chain. You know, so you can pull it down. It's like a, a retractable cord, and mm-hmm. that spotlight yeah. has, I think three colors on it red green and yellow and if they don't have contact with the pilot coming in because of mechanical failure or the pilot's radios out or whatever they actually use the spotlight two red flashes right. means this one green so they can actually land a plane by using three colored lights it's pretty trippy huh. crazy yeah huh i would have thought they would have done it just with morse well, Morse. I would have gone up on the roof with a couple of flags, you know, doing the, the dance with the flags yeah. in my hand. Do, do, da, da, ba, ba, you know. Yeah, like that I gif that I sent you the other day. Uh, exactly. The dancing dude. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's some kind of modified Morse, though, right? Because, like, you know, you're talking about landing a plane. Like, the color red is, like, pretty significantly means, like, you know, warning or, or whatever. So if, if, they're, mean, if they have a message that's red, it's going to get a different sense of attention than one that's green maybe well it means different things right one can i land i mean the, the pilot wants to know can i land or do i need to go around so that's the first thing once right. you land are you cleared to exit the the runway onto the taxiway once you get on the taxiway are you cleared to go wherever you're going to go that's the main things i mean people in aviation are probably going to call me silly but that's my understanding of it the pilot is going to look he can do a fly by the tower and catch a couple of signals what they want him to do yeah. and then go back around Okay, yes, green. Hmm. Well, I don't know what the codes are, but go ahead and land. Once you land, you still can't just, you know, go. Now you, you still have instruction because there's other planes moving around and stuff. So you've got to yeah, guide them. Yeah, you got to guide them safely from point A to point B. most plane accidents happen on the ground, right? That's what I had heard. Like, they're that tarmac, I don't know. tarmac, 
like there is like almost every plane accident that happens is because like they bump into each other on the ground. I can tell you, I've I've only experienced one like crash, um, but ninety nine percent of it is uh, after your land they blow a tire or yeah. something happens on landing that they yeah. skid off the runway and do some damage. That's yeah, you know, or the texting, the texting while they turn around the corner of the hangar. Yeah, <laughs> it's always the texting. Yeah, uh, uh, I just heard a thing on. <laughs> it was a podcast. Uh, apparently, there was like a uh, like one of these Airbuses that they uh, they had a cup holder that was like too small or something. And it was like right in the center console, and it happened like twice in a month that like pilots spilled coffee in this console, and it like actually made the engines like shut off like mid-flight oh and they had to like restart the engines because uh, uh, like n- like a hundred million dollar plane and like they don't have a cup holder that doesn't shut the plane off <laughs> like, well do they really have to bring a big gulp on board uh, that was a thing it was like you know like the, the the commentator was it was wait wait don't tell me so it was comedians talking about it. like the one guy was like you know he's like i don't know man i i got a pretty good thermos that doesn't spill in my car <laughs> like what are these guys <laughs> drinking their coffee out of you know but Priorities are different when you have multiple millions of dollars. Hey, so the magnum opus thing, here, here's kind of like where I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you guys can talk about it all you want. I'm thinking where we wrap this up. To me, my magnum opus will be seriously up to me when I'm later on in my life, when I can look back at all the things and I'll decide what my magnum opus was, right? What was my favorite thing that I ever built? I don't know yet because I'm still gonna be building a lot more stuff. But it seems to me it's like something that you can reflect on and decide later on in life. And it's always going to change. Well, you know, would, would you let, have one right now? Let me now? ask you this. Is that what you're going to ask? I have, I've, I have a project that I've been wanting to make that I feel like might be my magnum opus. And I'm curious if you guys have that one project that you're like, yeah, I need the right wood. I need the right time. I need the right whatever skill set to make. Uh, for me, it's a Morris chair. I've always wanted to make a Morris chair. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you guys have something like that, that future well, you know, aspirational project. I mean, I have a few, I guess. Uh, but one of them was uh, I made last year was my double bass, like to make a full – because I would made a, hmm. a lot of bass guitars and electric uprights and stuff, but I never made a full acoustic double bass. And, um, and okay. sticking true to form of this show in this episode is that, you know, I made it. And there's – of course, there's a million things that could have been done better. And so – it's like even though I made the thing that I've always wanted to make and I even played a gig on it you know and it works and stuff it's like I ain't done yet you know <laughs> like it, it's you know it's that's like we started with like yeah I, I can do better next time you know so that's the fun the fun of it it's always going to change you know? sure but if I never I get to the this. next time I have that one right okay that's that's kind of what bank. my answer is is I can't think of anything I I, I I don't have one that I'm 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 looking forward to. I don't have a magnum opus build in mind. Um, okay. They happen to me, hmm. and I'm really super easy to please. Like this silly <laughs> little square tube thing behind me. I'm like, this is pretty cool. It was something I really thought of while sitting hmm. here talking with you guys on an on a podcast. I'm like, you know what? I can blah, 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 blah. I, yeah, I can do this thing. And um, and now it's coming to fruition. It's simple, and other people are going to say, oh, I don't know about that, but to me, it's pretty cool. Oh, no, it's but so other people are going to say, wow, that's insanely cool. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's done, it's done, right? And then my next magnum opus will happen. So, again, it's, I I don't know, man. I get really super bored with making things for a while, and then I get inspired by something, and then I get the bug. It's like, now what? You know? And then it'll, it'll fade away again, so... 
do me a favor. When you finish the video for that table, I want you to take the time to stage it. Maybe even outside at night. I want it, I want uh, like darkness all around it with like a spotlight on it, right? So it's like kind of you know it's got that orb of light around, it, so it's kind of glowing. And keep the keep the camera running and get some sort of method of whether it's a vape pen or a cigar or something and blow smoke <laughs> through those tubes and then run out of the frame real quick so there's just a video of the smoke coming out of the tubes that's freaking cool i will mm. hold on so just get a big smoke. old puff of smoke blow it into those tubes and run out of the frame and then and then just take you know after you're out of the frame like just take that footage maybe run it slow it down a little bit so the smoke's coming out slow Taz has got like he still vapes and he's still he's got like spare vapes because he's always he's into it he gets these other, he's got like three spares in his yeah they make those big I'll, I'll borrow take it, one take it yeah. to the airport put it out in the middle of the like the tarmac with like you know with you oh. see those the like those with the lights, lights on the on the ground the corners of you gotta have to bring a spotlight with you maybe your truck headlights would be enough. You know what I mean? If you yeah. just shine your truck headlights on it, put sure. it out in the tarmac, and then blow smoke into those pipes and just have smoke coming out or through the, especially if you have a glass top on it, it'll be coming up under the glass. You well, guys, it's going to take you a, a while. i way before the tower opens, and one of the runways is you, shut down. You get there so in the dark in the morning. It. Isn't it dark yeah. when you get there? Yeah. Yes, it is. Now it is, Great. especially by the time I get done. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this. This brainstorm. This, I love it. So this is, is going to be a magnum opus video piece so it's not the, the table it's what i do with it for the video that's going to be the magnum it's a opus. thumbnail yeah the thumbnail that's okay yeah my best friend spag just had a big old talk about thumbnails and how they can be uh very important you keep calling him that i'll give you a thumbnail <laughs> he's speaking my best th- friend speaking of thumbnails uh itunes reviews yeah how was that was that smooth oh it's like it's like like cloud silk what was the name of that color? Ivory silk. Ivory silk. Ivory silk. Tim, I think you were in the best position to read out this um, this review. We have two of them. We have two of them. Do we? Um, yeah, we have one from September 9th from, I think it's from Gangi and Pop Pop. Uh, Dog food guy? Yeah. We didn't read that yet. Okay. All right. So I'll read that one. Then. Yeah. You go first. So from Dog Food Guy, the title is A Brand New Reclaimed Review. I've once again been guilted into writing another five-star review for one of the most underrated podcasts available. Every week I anxiously await the next release of the podcast. This week I was very excited to hear that Gangi is doing better and that Tim's Jambulance is a success. While they may disagree on the most appropriate way to utilize broccoli on a weekly basis, they remain inspirational in a purely reclamational manner. I can't wait to get guilted into another review. Keep it up, guys. <laughs> I, I, saw I feel Gangi like that was the right tone to read it in. It was that great. I saw Gangi's name in there. It, maybe. Yeah. I saw Gangi's name well, in there, so I thought say... it was Pop Pop. <laughs> like, I just, oh, no, no, no. you know, I didn't read I don't it. I think so. Yeah. No, it's definitely not. I think not. this is a guy who likes dog food. It's dog Could food be. guy. Yeah. 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 Thank you, dog okay. food guy. I was told not to read this review ahead of time, and then I was told I have to read it out loud without knowing what it's going to say. So I don't know what this is going to say. Uh, it's you know, I just read the title Bill's Reclaimed Audio Podcast with five stars by RJB Woodturner, which I think is your initials, RJB. Is that 
let's let's set this up real quick before you read that. These this is uh, from a new podcast, and it's uh, Rebecca DeGroot and Bob Blanford and Mike DeLauder. So RJB, I think, is Bob Blanford. He's, by the way, Bob is my new best friend. But go ahead, Tim. Go. I okay, don't, so, don't let me stop okay. you. Good setup. Thank you for a great podcast. Question mark. I started listening shortly after you began recording and even went back and listened to all the previous episodes. I appreciate the one guy's thriftiness and desire to reduce his carbon footprint. That must be Phil. Um, no. I like the other guy uh, is delving into electronics, bringing a new dimension to the show. And, yeah. and then there's Bill. What can I say about Bill? It's obvious that Bill is the brains behind the whole operation. If Reclaimed Audio were a movie, it would be The Wizard of Oz and Bill would be The Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I, I am not sure how he is able to carry the whole production week after week, but I'm glad his shoulders are broad and he has the drive and determination to rise up and accept the burden of carrying those other guys. If you enjoy wit, wisdom, and a serious depth of knowledge unsurpassed in the podcast world, Bill's Reclaimed Audio Podcast, in quotes, is the show for you. Every podcast on the face of the earth, no matter how well established, has benefited from Bill's unselfish giving to the craft. <laughs> Even our newly established podcast, You Made That, could benefit from such a tour de force. Have you ever considered an all-Bill episode where the fans could learn exactly what makes Bill tick? Oh my god, have I? Bill, allow me to be the first to thank you for your contribution to the global podcast phenomena. And remember, if you ever get booted from RA, we could always use a fourth at You Made That. Remember, that's You Made That, the other podcast. Keep the great entertainment coming. Regards, Bob Blanford, a.k.a. RJB Woodturner on YouTube. <laughs> Bill, you don't have a contract with us. You're welcome to leave. <laughs> I also think this review was Bill's magnum opus. Yes. Um, yes. I, I will accept it as my magnum opus. I, that that's might the greatest be the, thing that's ever been written about me, that's for sure. It is definitely a magnum opus of, of podcast reviews. That was wonderful. Yes. Well, uh, Bill, 100? Do what? what? 100? 100 bucks? I assume it's how many dollars you paid for this review. Oh no, it's 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 you made that podcast. I think they're just repaying the favor because I gave them a shout out uh, recently, and it's 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 what I've been trying to tell you guys for a while now is share the love. It will come back to you. I promise. Mm -hmm. So two hundred. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's. Uh, weekly tip segment. I'm hijacking this one. Go. Good. I was watching a um, I was watching a video today by Into the Dirt Shop, and I oh, yeah. forget the gentleman's name. Do you know his name? Uh, I don't remember. His name. I don't remember. And it, it's not anywhere. Anyways, I see him at one point. He's he's making a toy chest out of reclaimed cherry palette strips, and at one point he grabs a glue gun. And he starts filling in the nail holes and any voids and any cracks with what looks like hot glue. So I I wrote him a comment and I was like, filling in those with a like a, with a hot glue gun, that's genius. How does that hold up long term? And he's like, it's not hot glue, it's actually um, epoxy, mm. and it's made by a company called Rangate, and apparently there's. You could buy their special glue gun because it's got to get really hot for this stuff to work, but it's a special epoxy that comes in a hot glue gun. Um, so either you buy their 
special glue gun, which is like 200 and something dollars. Or you could buy the DeWalt, which also gets at hot enough to use it. But could you imagine filling in like knots and nail holes with a glue gun? I thought that was genius. So you don't watch my videos, Phil? You've used that? No, I used... I do. I watched yours today. I used Total Boat's, um, what is it called now? Fixo. And it's a two-part epoxy in a cock gun tube. And, uh, it doesn't dry clear, though. It's a little... Well, sometimes it dries clear, but sometimes it'll dry, like, a little bit white. So it might not work for everything, but I use that a lot. And, um... And it, it has a special tip that, that's kind of wasteful, though, because it's a special plastic tip. So that as you squeeze it, it goes through the special tip that has, like, a zigzag pattern, so it mixes the epoxy through oh, the Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I've seen together. this stuff. The, yeah. This it's actually... Similar. So you, you order the colors that you want. So it comes in all of these different colors to basically match the wood you're oh. using. Walnut, oh, it's, emony, oh, whatever. It's, it's dark? It's not clear? And, it, and it's heated, It could too, be whatever right? color you want. Well, oh, oh, that's Sorry? different. What and, is it called? it's heated. Rain... What was it called? Yeah. Rangate, R A N G A T E. I'm looking it up. See when I not, when I did row construction, when I did row construction, we, I used to install the reflectors and the little round buttons on the on the road, and that used the two part epoxy. Of course, it came in mm -hmm. 55 gallon drums, part A, part B, but it also mm -hmm. went through a heating device. So that was the only way to get it to cure properly was to have it. It came out hot enough that yeah. if it landed, it touched you, it would scald you. So for sure. I've got experience oh, yeah. with the two-part epoxy that's heated, it needs to be never in a small little activation. 320 so degrees. Part, yes, 320 degrees Fahrenheit to operate, 160 Celsius for most of them, or some of them are lower, 285. And they're calling it a knot yeah. filler, which makes sense. And I have seen stuff like that, I guess, in finished pieces, where I've been like, what is that? Yeah. Is that epoxy? And Because it, like, it looks like it, but it doesn't. Because that's, that's what I yeah. would do, right, is I use... I would use regular epoxy and mix some tint in it if I wanted to make it dark or whatever. Sure. Or even like smaller stuff, I'll use that Starbond super glue that's that's dark. Um, yeah. So but, is this like a glue this, I think stick? also replaces those crayons. What? Is this like a glue right. stick and it's a one part and it heats up and it's epoxy? Yeah. That's pretty cool. You are just like getting so much um, information this week about wood filler. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's very on trend and on, on topic for me. Yeah, interesting. But I watched it because I thought it was hot glue at first. Because he, I was like, "This is crazy! What a brilliant thing!" And then I was thinking, like, how well could that possibly hold up long term? But then it's an epoxy. So instead of having a catalyst as the second part, the hardener, it's the heat, heat activated. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't yeah, know how it works, the, but there's the glue gun. Yeah, this is great. Interesting. Anyway, so that game changer anyway, for a guitar maker, I would think. Um. Yeah, I mean, what, what I like, I'm, I'm assuming this dries faster than... I would think, yeah. It's probably more along the lines of like yeah. a five-minute epoxy, because that's what, I'll use that five-minute epoxy a lot, and I'll mix it up and dump some powder yeah. in it or something, or sawdust. I would it. think as soon as this stuff but, cools off, it's done, right? I yeah. Would, I would think that, too. I would think within a few minutes, it is, yeah. like, probably rock hard, and you can put it through, like, a <clears throat> like a drum sander right away. Yeah. And so for yeah. guys like us working pallets and stuff, it was genius. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty interesting. <coughs> Should yes, reach out to them and see if they want to sponsor the show. That's expensive. Hey, there you go. Yes, it talk is quite your, expensive. Talk like, to into yeah. the dirt shop guy and uh, see if he can uh, give us some of the hookup. I think he's just a customer, but I'll reach out to the company. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like $65 a stick, but I don't know how much that stick lasts for. And right. the ease of use is pretty good, and the fact that you can swap in, swap out colors is really good too. 
Yeah, so my guess would be you wouldn't, like, if you put the stick in and then you're done with it, you can pull it out and still use it again and swap, change colors in the gun and stuff. Correct. Like a regular, yeah. 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 To some extent. I mean, I imagine it'd be a little bit of waste, whatever's in the tip, you know, but. Yeah, but not that much. Yeah, because you probably, Um, when you put the next stick in, you probably have to squeeze out what's in the tip when you heat it up and to change colors. That would be my guess. Yep. Interesting. But by by the same token, that little bit of waste or whatever might just be what goes into the bottom of the knot anyway, and the top right. that gets filled up mm. would be the, the color that you want anyway. So maybe mm. not. Um, Great does anybody tip, else Phil. have any tips, or you want to move on? No, we we're well, running I, I just here. say you can use mm. spackle after you paint a project. But <laughs> I think we covered that. Great tip. Great tip. Um, what grabbed your attention this week? Uh, I'll, I'll Let's go, go to Tim. Uh, I was talking uh, about it in the the, the pre-show as well. The, we were talking a little bit about my experiences in music college, and there's a guy named Adam Neely, and he does a lot of videos about music and music history and stuff. He's like a like studied music, and um, he has a video called Music Theory and White Supremacy, and it was uh, super interesting because it was something I again, it's like just as I try to continue to live and grow and be a better human being and. And, and, you know, uh, as we all know, you know, our entire human history is steeped in, you know, horrible things and racism. It's just kind of what humans used to do and still continue to do in some cases. But this just delves into uh, just music and, and, like, the music theory books and who wrote them and what they're based on. And uh, it was really interesting. Like, there's, a, there's a, you know, a, the name that comes up. Uh, I remember, you know, what well, you watched the video, but, like... Like, I mean, there's even, like, everything somehow always ties into Nazism in, in some way, too. You know, there's all these German composers, and I don't know, it was crazy. You know, like Wagner. Well, I, yeah, Wagner uh, was was pretty, pretty anti-Semitic, among other things. Yeah. But, um... Uh, but Ride of the Valkyries is pretty dope, so... Yeah, it's a pretty cool song. Uh, <laughs> but this goes back before him, even, so. uh, into these, you know, the composers like Bach and Beethoven. It was just really interesting about how, like, all the, the literature and, the, and, the, and everything that is based on the language of these music theoricians of this pretty small elite group of musician, musicians. And, and, uh, and then all of even when we're talking about music from other parts of the world, from non, you know, white cultures, we're always talking about them in the metric that they created. You know, we're applying it to their metric. And I thought it was really interesting. So, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you might enjoy it. Hmm. Indeed. Um, Billy Lutz, what do we got there? Um, so, what caught my attention is more of a, um, just a shout-out and sharing some love. And I wouldn't say this other than he already posted online on his socials. But Kyle Toth, um, let's uh, send him out some love and prayers. He lost his mom recently. And uh, we love you, Kyle. And it's tough for anybody. I've been there. And um, yep. again, just this, he reached out to the community, and, and I'm just reaching out back to him. We love you, Kyle, and um, sorry for your loss, brother. Indeed, condolences, Kyle. Yeah. All the all the best. Yeah. I don't know how to follow that because you know I've lost my father so uh, when I was younger, and I think Kyle's younger than us. But uh, anyways, yeah, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Only yeah. time. That's the only thing you can do. Um. So we talked about Magnus. A magnum opus. I keep saying Magnus, but it's magnum opus. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I watched a video today, and actually I thought it was really great. It's by Gunflint Designs, and uh, and he built a trestle-style dining table out of uh, cherry that's like 80 years old and came from his grandfather's uh, that's cool. barn or basement or something. And uh, just beautiful work. You know, like, like I aspire to one day be this good. And I think a lot of it is just 
taking the time, I think we talked about this at one point, was sort of breaking out a build into chapters and only focusing on one chapter at a time and not worrying about finishing this thing in the 20 minutes that we have to work tonight and just really breaking it out. And uh, and he's done a like a phenomenal job. And he's tried new techniques in this, like butterflies and stuff, but it's a beautiful build, and um, and I loved it. I thought it was really great. So that's nice. Excellent. Yeah. Um, next, our websites, williamlutz.com, timsway.net, and newperspectivesmusic.com. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you. You can either send us an email, info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com, or you can leave us a voice note slash voicemail the same way. Just record it on your phone, attach it to an email, and send it, send it to that same email address, info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at reclaimedaudio. Uh, for any feedback or ideas or anything like that, we love hearing from you. iTunes uh, reviews, they are super important. We will read them out uh, as long as they are a five-star. And you can get to them by going to our website, reclaimedaudiopodcast.com. Click on the link. It will launch iTunes, and you can leave a review right there. And patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio. For um, $1, you get access to the pre-show, and you become a patron, and you really get a behind-the-scenes look at what we do and how we do it in the pre-show. So it's a, it's a really interesting glimpse into behind the scenes. And um, and you get to support a podcast that you listen to on the weekly. So thank you very much to those who have, who do, and who will. And um, have a great week, guys. Bye, everybody. Be good.